Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons. We are so happy you could join us. Next, you will be hearing a message from Pastor Farrell Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. To learn more about the Lighthouse, visit their website at grenadachurch.com. Now, on to the message. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8. Just read a few verses here. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And when he went out, not knowing whether he went, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord, and I need the help of the Holy Spirit this morning, God, to minister your word. Your promise was that if we would preach the word, it wouldn't come back void. And Father, it's not about performance or how well I do this. It's about your word, Lord, stirring the hearts and soul of men and women. And Father, we pray that it does its intended purpose today. Lord, as we go across the radio, I pray that those people that hear the same thing, Lord, that it would do its intended purpose, Lord. If there be one today that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, I pray they make that decision because that's what it's all about, Lord. We give you honor and praise, and we ask it in Jesus' name, and we say amen. We have been studying the life of Abraham in our Bible studies, and to me, it's been a great journey for me to study the life of Abraham, because we, we all know that he's regarded as the father of faith, which he is, but, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but to see his mistakes, it, <laughs> it speaks to me, because God never gives up on us, and this man was unlike any other and despite his wrongs of Abraham and his wife Sarah, here in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Holy Spirit gives God's final thoughts on the man of faith. And it, it doesn't matter what, what people think of you. It matters what God thinks. Men would have never accepted Abraham into a denomination as a preacher. They never would have. I don't mean this as a slight towards the church of God, the denomination I'm in, but... They would have never have taken him if they'd knew his track record. They wouldn't have. I know because I've been through the process. I've been through three levels of ministry, and I'm a bishop in the church of God, and it was no easy trek to get there. It took a long time to get all those things on the wall. I know what you've got to go through sometimes with men, and I understand the purpose in the day and age we live in, but Abraham was just chunk full of flaws. He had a lot of things. He disobeyed God. And many times he, he got in trouble. But th- those things with God didn't matter. Why? I, I'm, not, and I'm not giving a license to sin. I'm not saying that was okay. He did those things. But God used Abraham on a scale like no other man. And that should speak volumes to you today. He is the father of a great multitude. And it, it, God seen what was on the inside, not what men seen on the outside. And I know there may be somebody listening today that may take my words wrong and, well, you're excusing sin. No, I'm not. But I am saying we're all frail human beings. And, and Abraham, should you should take time to study it. You should take time to learn it. We're going to probably wrap this up Wednesday night on the study that we've been through, some 27, 28 lessons. It was a long journey, but... Uh, Abraham started with just a little bit of faith, and then that faith turned into faithfulness to God. So today we're going to take a quick look at turning your faith into faithfulness. You've got to start somewhere. You have to. 
Read verse, well, we read verse 8, and look at verse 8. He had obedient faith. When God calls you, you go. Uh, Abraham started out in the earth of Chaldees, and he was some 65 years old. A lot of things there. Number one, your age don't matter. It doesn't matter if you're getting a late start in life. I was late getting into ministry. I was in my 30s, and that's kind of late for a lot of people. Most people go into ministry at a young age when God calls them. It doesn't matter your age. Abraham was 65 years old. And you have to be sure when God calls you, and he's going to let you know what your calling is. And Abraham, he had enough faith to believe the promise that God had gave him. But he didn't know where he was going. He was being led by the Lord. You know, when you start out on this journey with God, you're not going to get it all at once. Everything is not going to be revealed that instant. It takes time. I'm into this some 13 years later. In fact, I think yesterday was the um, when I graduated MIP. And my, it came up in our memories on social media. And I'm just beginning to learn more and more, just some small things. It started out as a little, and God has revealed as time goes along. Goodness, when I started this out, Zachary, my oldest son, was sitting on the pew, Matthew, and they were just little bitty fellas, and look at him now. Now I've got two grandchildren, the other one's done left home, and I still don't have just everything down what God has called me into. I hope I'm making sense this morning. Your calling may be very simple, but it may be on a grand scale. But rest assured, you have a calling. Don't forget this. Every single one of you sitting here today, if you know Christ as your Savior, you have a calling to some degree. But it's not going to come all at once. You have to be patient. You have to wait. I know that's not a, a, a nice word in this day and age that we live in. Oh, wait. Oh, you mean I'm going to have to be a little patient, wait on the call of God? Yeah. You're going to have to wait. We get in too big of a hurry. We're wanting to outrun God. And I've stepped out into faith when I went into ministry. And I know that it's going to be a long journey. When you step out into Christianity, this path takes time. Be patient. Your, your faith has to be obedient. And that word obedient, I think a good translation for that word is patient. You have to, Sister Mary's been sitting, how long, I don't know how many years she's been sitting on pews, but she's been on them a while. And she sat there and she'd been faithful to God this time. And I know Sister Denise, this is not her first time to come to church. And I bet if you talk to both of them, they would tell you the same thing. God is still revealing everything, just things every day. It's something new with God. Now, look at verse 9 and 10. I want to read verse 9 again and go into 10. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. When God promised to Abraham uh, this, what was coming, he promises to you presently. It, we may be dwelling in a strange country at the moment, but, but we have a promise of a city. And it says Abraham looked for this city. I, I, I think Christianity is so confused in this day and age that we live in. They may be trying to do the right thing, and they may, it's almost turned into a social-type movement to where we're trying to meet the needs of the people on, on this earth. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Even Paul took up offerings to help the Jews back in Jerusalem. But my friends, this gospel point is really about one thing. We see souls saved, and we're looking for a city. If you get comfortable in this world... 
if you're happy with this world, if you're trying to build your kingdom down here on this world, you're not going to be a happy Christian. You're not. And that's why a lot of Christians are struggling nowadays because the preachers are telling them what they can get here. I want you to be blessed. I, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in good health, like John the Beloved said. I, I, I hope those things happen in your life. But my friends, the greatest thing you have to look forward to is this city. This city that's not made with human hands. Abraham was not broke by any stretch of the imagination. Abraham was a rich man. In fact, when he left out of Ur of Chaldees, he had a thousand people with him. Over 1,000 people. Now, this guy had a lot of, of money. And, but yet there was something in his soul that wasn't satisfying him with earthly possessions. I, again, I want you to be blessed. There's nothing wrong with having a home and a car and, and nice things here on this earth. But it, as God sets this path before you, them things, the allurement of the world should start fading. And, and you should be patiently waiting upon what's to come. My friends, more than ever, we're entering a time and age we're about to see the rapture of the church. Those things that are missing from the pulpit, I can't help it because nobody else is uh, preaching them. That's not my fault. All I can take care of is Farrell Wilson in this pulpit, and I have uh, trouble doing that sometimes. I have to let the Lord help me to keep me in line, keep me going straight. But this has disappeared from the pulpits that we're about to see the rapture of the church. You're living in the days of Noah. Look around you and wake up. This world has come undone. I wish I had better news, but that's not what this Bible tells me. The Bible tells me this, that this world has come undone. We're in the last uh, days, and we are about to see the rapture of the church. And I'm patiently waiting on this to be revealed for that city that I'm going to be in that's not made with human hands. Look at verse 11 and 12. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Verse 12. Therefore sprang up there even of one and of him as good as dead so many as the stars of the sky and the multitude and the sand which is by the sea sure innumerable. Abraham must have had an influence on his wife. He had to have. I don't know what she believed in the beginning, but the, he had evidently taught the people that went with him and his wife about God. And look what it reproduced. It re reproduced billions and billions of billions of people that have come from Abraham in this world. Uh, and your faith should reproduce Christian. My friends, if there's anything that you ought to be doing as a Christian, and I can't stress this enough in this day and age that we live in, is to see souls saved. We should be concerned as a church here and everywhere else when people are not getting saved. When there's not people coming to know Jesus Christ, we have got a problem. When people are not being saved in the church, when people are not, re, uh, the gifts of the Spirit are not in operation, I'm not saying God can't, is not using that church. I'm not saying that God's not in that church. I'm simply saying there's a problem. And we have to look at that problem and say, what is wrong? Why are we not seeing souls saved in this last day? The formula for growing a church is so simple. This hit me like a ton of bricks this week. It, it just flooded my soul. 
We have church program after church program after church program. I, I don't know where you can go to a Lifeway anymore. They've closed down a lot of them, but used to go on Lifeway, this Christian bookstore. And they would literally have shelves and shelves and shelves of church programs for preachers where you could do this method and grow your church. And you could fill the pews up. You could fill the church up with different programs and methods. And a couple of them is don't sing hymns anymore. Let's get with it. And let's start singing the new songs. Nothing wrong with some of the new songs. I'm just saying this is what they would teach. Don't say anything about sin. Don't preach the blood of Jesus. Don't mention the cross. I, and I did enough research on this. I know what I'm talking about. And here's the amazing thing, though. It will grow a church. I mean, you're looking, you'll start multiplying people in the church quick. But the problem is you're not reproducing Christians. You're not getting people saved. They're no longer looking for that city. They no longer have an obedient faith. They're no longer a patient faith. All you have is people gathering up in a social club. I'm telling you that there is one program that God designed, and it was this, Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. When they come together, great fear, great fear come up on them as the word was preached. And Peter, the day that he stood up and, and gave the first sermon to the church, he preached Christ and him crucified. That's what he preached. And when they realized they were in sin, great fear come over them. And look at verse 47 in Acts chapter 2, what happened. God added to the church daily. Thousands started coming. Thousands. My friend, there's going to come a point in this day and age that we live in, those that are preaching the truth, we're going to see a flood of souls come in. It's coming. We have to depend upon the Spirit of God to, re, to reproduce Christians, to make Christians. We can't do it on our own. I, we can go hand out water bottles. We can go mow lawns. We can change oil in people's car. And I'm telling you things that ministries are doing in this day and age. And within their self, there's nothing wrong with that. But as far as the church is concerned, you're not reproducing people into the kingdom of God. You're not seeing souls saved. I'm telling you, there's one program. You keep preaching Christ and Him crucified, it's like pouring hot lead in the hole. Sometimes, sooner or later, if you keep preaching Christ and Him crucified, you're going to see a harvest. You know, a farmer, a, a bad farmer, he doesn't sow the seed. He doesn't till the soil. He doesn't get it ready. He, he doesn't spend time cultivating, getting the weeds out, and he never sees a harvest. If we're going to see a harvest in this day and age we live in, we're going to have to keep sowing that seed of Christ and Him crucified. You have to keep tilling the soil. You have to get behind the plow. And you have to stay there in these last days. And it's not just Brother Wilson. It's everybody in God's kingdom working together. Thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio. If you are enjoying the sermon you are hearing, we need your help. We do not sell any advertising on this station. You will not hear any third-party ads. This radio ministry operates by donations only. So, we need your prayers and financial gifts to keep bringing Christ and Him crucified to the world. Let God use you to keep Power of the Cross Radio going around the globe. 
Go right now to www.cross.radio and click on how you can help. There you can donate by secure means. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you. Now, back to the message. People need to see your faith in action. People need to see the Christian in you. You need to invite people to church. We've even got the platform now of going out over the radio. And that is simply amazing to me that this little church here in, uh, it's not even really Grenada, what's the name of this? Hardy. Hardy, Mississippi is actually where we're at. This little church here is going out across the globe. We have the opportunity like never before to reach the world with the message of the cross. And we're going to have to keep doing this and keep pushing forward. And our faith is actually going to have to be overcoming in these last days. Look at verse 13 and 14. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded to them and embraced them and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they who say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Despite never actually seeing the promise, the one who delivered Abraham's people, you know, Abraham couldn't have told you it was Jesus Christ coming, but that was the idea behind it, that he knew that God was going to send a Savior to redeem his people. He knew that. He knew there was going to be something God was going to do in the future. And, and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that's what, and Sarah, that's what they were looking for. They understood that this promise, this child Isaac being born, they knew it was much bigger than them. I, I mean, there was times when God would tell Abraham, come on outside, look up in the stars and count them. How many are there? And Abraham, well, I can't count them. He said, well, that's how many people's going to come from your loins. Go look at the sand on the beach. How many grains of sand is it? I can't count them. So that's right, because there's going to be that many come out of you. And, and, and so he knew that something magnificent was coming. They were looking forward to the day Jesus would come. So what are you looking forward to? Now, friends, I'm going to share something with you. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you are on much greater promises than Abraham. Abraham lived in a time when God winked at sin. He did. That's what the Bible says. God winked at sin, meaning he didn't excuse it, but there really wasn't a power source like we have nowadays. There is no excuse anymore for us not to, to be, have an overcoming faith and be able to live this life. It's really not. Now, I, I told you earlier, I know that we're going to make mistakes, but this, this message we preach of Christ and Him crucified of you having your faith in what Christ has accomplished in the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, now you have the means and the ability and the power source to live this Christian life. There's no excuse for us anymore to claim to be a Christian and then the world sees us living like the devil. There's no excuse for that anymore. The garbage that, that Christians are partaking in in this day and age that we live in is absolutely mind-blowing. It is absolutely ridiculous some of the things I see Christians engaging in. We are supposed to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We're not supposed to be looking like the world. We're not supposed to be acting like the world. We're supposed to be separated. We're supposed to have an overcoming faith.
You may struggle. That's okay to struggle. Everybody goes through it. Every Christian has those times. Maybe they unintentionally backslide. But you know what? We should be looking forward to a world to come. And I don't want to be disappointed that day and get caught off guard by living like the world. And maybe my faith goes so far backwards that I start losing my way. And who knows? You keep playing with it and keep playing with it and you don't make it. You know how many people are not going to make it today in this world? They say that every one second, every one second, somebody dies and loses their way in eternity and they go to hell. That's what statistics say. That is, that's just crazy. And there's no sense in this. And, I, and it's probably a lot of people that are claiming to be Christians. My friends, you have a power source now. I'm going I'm to just touch on this one more time. You have a power source available to you today. There's no need for you to live down below, the, the, down in, the, in the, the muck and the mire and the pig pen like the prodigal son. There's no sense in living like that anymore. You have a power source. And that power source is the Holy Spirit. And when you place your faith in what Christ has accomplished at Calvary, now you've tapped into something. You have an overcoming faith. You're looking forward to the promise ahead, and you're living like you're looking for the promise ahead. Look at verse 17 and 18. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall your seed be called. Now, I think Abraham was tested in, it'd be up between him and Job who was tested the most. Abraham had a test with Isaac unlike anybody else. God told him to offer up his son. And the scripture, all the evidence in the scripture is that Isaac willingly laid down in this test. So we see that Abraham, he'd been through all these problems. He'd come out of situations of lying and being in the wrong place. God told him not to be. And all these years had passed by. He's some hundred years old and older and Isaac has grown up. I imagine he's around 120 years old. And think of all the years that had passed and the things and trials and tribulations he had been through to receive this promise. And now God says, I want you to offer him up as sacrifice. That's a big, tall request. And I, I, I would have failed. I, if God come to me and said, I want you to offer up Zachary, I couldn't do it. I, I'd have failed the test. I would have. I, just being honest with you. But Abraham didn't fail. Don't say you would have did better than me because 99% of us would have not passed this test. We wouldn't have. And he held nothing back. So my question is to you, what are you holding back from God? Brother Glenn touched on it a little bit during Sunday school this morning. So many Christians are holding back just even the basic the basic fundamentals of Christianity of attending church and supporting a church. I mean, they're claiming they love Christ, but where are they at on Sunday mornings? Out the lake or doing whatever they want to do? Where are they at when payday comes? 
and they release their money to the world and all the things in the world, but they have zero time for God in their finances and wonder why the church is struggling. When it comes time in the morning to pray and read that Bible, where are they at? What are you holding back from God? It's not a time to hang your head and say, Oh boy, you just called up a laundry list, Brother Wilson. That's not what this is intended for. It's intended to say, You know what, God? I'm, I'm not where I need to be here today. But I'm believing you that going forward, you're going to help me. I'm not going to hold anything back. This year, 2022, is really just begun. And let this be your year where you don't hold anything back from God. Abraham struggled, but he got it together. He got it together. Let that be your story. I don't care where you're at today. You may be the most consecrated Christian sitting on church pews on Sunday morning today. But where could you be? Are you still holding back some little area in your life from God? Give Him everything and say, you know what, God, no matter what it costs me, if it's truly of you, I don't want to hold anything back. Abraham was giving his very best. Think of how much Isaac meant to him. But you know what he really believed, though? Look at verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. Now, we may, I may have some things in common with most preacher, Baptist, and Episcopalian. There's some, there's some common ground there, or, uh, or Lutheran, or whatever denominations today are independent, and we have some things in common, but there's one area that I don't know that I have a lot in common with other preachers in, and this is this right here. I'm just, I don't, you call me crazy or whatever, but I believe God to do some impossible things in these last days. God hadn't changed in the Bible. The Bible hadn't changed. And it says that the dead can be raised. It says demons can be cast out. Jesus, matter of fact, said if there's a mountain in your way, if you ask for that mountain to be removed, it'll be done. It'll be cast. Why are we settling for second best with God? Why are we saying, well, you know what? People can't be raised from the dead anymore. Who said that? God didn't say that. I've seen it happen twice in ministry. I've seen people that were good as dead, wrote off, doctor said they're not coming back, and they came back. I've seen cancer healed up. I, I, that one, I'll never forget that one. Lady had a cancer that ate a hole in her chest that was about the size of my thumb. I could have stuck my thumb in it. I was sitting there in the room. I looked at it. We prayed for that lady, and this ain't no credit to Pharaoh Wilson. I'm giving all the credit to God. And the next day, that hole had healed up, and she was healed of cancer and lived many years after that. I'm telling you, miracles can happen in these last days, but I think the greatest miracle we should be praying for, my friends, is revival like we have never seen we need to see souls saved. We're in a crisis in the church. Not of money. Not, not church attendance where we just got people sitting on the pews. Not, not of uh, buildings. We got all these things God has gave us, but we're in a crisis with seeing souls saved. And like never before, 
We need to believe God for the impossible. We need to believe that God's going to shake this earth one more time. That he's going to shake this country. Something has to change, Lord. Something has to change in these last days. And I'm going to believe him for it. I'm going to believe him for things that we never thought possible. Amen? Y'all would stand with me this morning. This brings us to the end of this message, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. Be sure to come back often for more great sermons and commercial free Christian music streamed 24 hours a day. If you need someone to pray with you, we have a prayer wall at Power of the Cross Radio website. You can leave your request there and also help others pray for their needs. We also offer live prayer periodically throughout the day as intercessors are available. Just click on the talk icon at the bottom right of any page. If someone is available, you can chat live or leave your message if no one is available. Thank you for joining us today, and may God bless you. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries.